This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where customers who save by switching their home and car save nearly $800 on average. Quote at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $793 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2021 and May 2022. Potential savings will vary. Welcome back to the grim darkness of the 41st millennium. I am Inquisitor Caveat Ventus, Keeper of the Inquisition's Black Library, and this is my report on the Valentine Heresy, an actual play podcast set in the Genesis adaptation of Warhammer 40,000's Dark Heresy RPG. This report features Game Master Tom McGee, Ryan LaPlante as Inquisitor Lucius Valentine, Laura Elizabeth as Lyric, and Tyler Hewitt as Alto. My report shows that Inquisitor Valentine survived the crash of his vessel while receiving visions of the Emperor's death. Meanwhile, Lyric and Alto were forced into his presence by the breaching of their hive. Will this trio find common ground while battling deadly mutants? Find out next in this episode of The Valentine Heresy. From the writings of Cullis Pollitt, former general, admiral, and sergeant. When they announced they were building these fucking domes, everyone got so excited. And I gotta tell you, I have led campaigns from one side of this galaxy to the other. And never have I heard a stupider idea than building a dome on an irradiated planet. When you think about what happens to organic matter on an irradiated planet, and you're telling me that a bunch of glass is going to just keep that from coming in and fucking up all the idiots who decide to live there because they want something fancy? Well, I'll tell you what happens. What happens is exactly what fucking happened to Dome Number 9. I mean, sure, no one expected a ship to drop on it, but really, the mutants of the Outlands, that they should have been fucking expecting. This book is no longer available at Imperial Libraries. Welcome back to the Valentine Heresy. As with all great historical events, this one begins with a relatively uh, simple matter of survival. Three solitary figures against a veritable wave of irradiated, mutated humans who were not so lucky to get to live inside Galen's glory, the domed hive city that is currently imploding all around you as massive spacefaring vessel meets big, poorly planned metropolis. The three of you are unlikely allies in a lot of ways, and yet circumstances have thrust you together. And knowing that your only way off planet and away from the horrors that are unfolding will require all of you, you suddenly find yourselves a team. And as Valentine put it, official members of the Inquisition. So congratulations, Lyric and Alto, on your battlefield promotions. <laughs> Let us fight! I'm not a fan of worrying too, too much about how initiative runs here. I'm going to say, Valentine, I think you have the initiative in this situation only because of the three... You came straight out of a combat situation into another combat situation. So I think in a lot of ways, this is just the same encounter for you. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So I'll give you first turn. If you imagine a circular map, we've got the hovel at the north tip of it. You guys are near that. It was under an overpass. The overpass was hit by Valentine's pod. So it is now collapsed. But basically, you've got the sloping rampway up over the hovel. 
The closest wall of the dome is beyond that, further north. Behind you is the hive city proper. Now, keep in mind, you're still in the hive. It's a a sprawl. But if we're talking rings, you're three rings from the wall. So you're within sight, but it's still a bit of a distance away. Unfortunately, getting here gave the mutants enough time to spill in from all the increasingly cracked walls. Plus, one of the engines literally took out half of one of the retaining walls, so they're just fully spilling in now. If we're looking north to the hovel, to the west or the left is where the crash pod is. So that's where Valentine and Eugene just struggled out of. There are more pods falling that way, and you can see figures starting to climb out of those. There are no mutants in that direction yet, but you can hear screams coming from that direction. Now, if we look south and to the east, that's where we've got full-on rubble overpass with mutants spilling out of it. So the majority of them are there. However, one is slithering up the overpass over top of the hovel. So you're rapidly being surrounded. In your immediate vicinity, there are six. All of them are at equal distance right now, and there are more coming up behind them. Alto, you've got the means in your hands to figure out how to get out of here. But currently, you guys could run, but where the fuck are you going to run to? I've overheard the thing about the line. Yeah, the bickering that Tyler and Laura literally did during it, I think, was throughout to a point that all the available information has been bickered out to you. (laughs) Cool. (laughs) Tom, did I reload my pistol while I was in the pod? Cool. What I would say to them is, do you entirely know where this place is going to be? And he just raised his pistol and start shooting at the distance mutants. Chainsword in freehand for when they get close, but mm-hmm. he'd stick to range until they were there and then say, do you know where we're going to this line? I think they'd be terribly useful. Alto, kiddo, you got to figure this out. Well, I mean, we got a map, but the city's looking, you know, less and less like the map. Yeah, but right, you so quick know suggestion. what the- How about we put him inside the pod? You hold the pod door and then I'll stand here and keep the mutants busy. Everyone stay alive now. This is going to be a great deal of fun. All right, and I grab Alto by the shoulders and I'm running with him. <laughs> And the mutants are just like they sound like dogs. Wonderful, wonderful. Someone at the door for wonderful mutants. No, probably in the hall. Anyway, (laughs) so I don't know if you guys have seen bolt weapons before because they are considered pretty rare in the Imperium. So they fire with a very loud bark from the weapon, and then you actually hear them when they hit the target. There's like a crump of an internal explosion because they are mass reactive rounds. So they fire with their own propellant, and then when they collide, they do a mini explosion. Oh, wow. Okay, great. So you're just blowing up leech people. (laughs) If I hit them. Yeah. yeah, he's crossed. Well, let's find out how that goes. Ryan, we're going to say these are at longish range for a pistol. So that is going to be a three purple base challenge rating. Having just survived a crash from space, I'm going to give you one black setback dice to make this a bit harder. And I'm going to give you a second setback dice because you're still feeling the effects of the warp. Cool. And then beyond that, you're going to be using your... It's agility. So I've agility got Agility and your ranged light, I believe. Yes. So I get one green die and two upgraded yellow die. And then Tom, I actually have a power called Tempered Will, where I can remove one black die inflicted by critical injuries, being disoriented or fear. This is absolutely the right sense for that. So you checked your fingies and toes on the crash pod to make sure that you weren't afflicted by the warp. And it seems like everything's where it should be. So barring Eugene learning how to like fucking walk or something, you're in pretty good shape as warp events go. 
The rest of what happened up there is starting to come back slowly in terms of what you remember. But now it's neither the time nor the place. And honestly, it's going to be a pretty good day. So it's fine. You've got people to protect. There's a way off world. This is all good. So you just stow all that. And even though you're still feeling the effects of it, you realize if you just focus on shooting mutants, which is kind of your version of data entry, you'll be fine. (laughs) Your cybernetic eyes focus down the sight of your bolt pistol. And you see the first leech person come up over the ridge of the road. So I pull the trigger. Oh, my God. The end result, four failures. Oh. Yeah, sometimes it'd be like that. (laughs) You blast this leech person with your bolt pistol. The bolt flies true. The leech person explodes in a men in black style goo burst. And you see all of them undulate almost with pain. And then you see spikes begin to grow out of their skin, and they all begin to move twice as fast. It would seem that whatever they've evolved into might have some kind of hive mind and possibly some kind of defensive measure. So we have gone from six, you killed one, so we're down to five, and now there are nine. What a fun ability, gifted to them by undoubtedly <laughs> the darkness in the universe. Uh, and then he's just going to like press the ruby on his thing and the refractor field will spring back up around him. To be clear, you can see through it. It's not like a wall. It's just got a bit of a shimmer around where the light can catch it. Okay, Lyric, I'm going to give you next initiative since Alto is distracted with the map and with the puzzle to be solved. What would you like to try and accomplish in your turn? I'm going to draw my auto pistol and attempt to do auto fire. So it says I can trigger it by spending to advantage. So that's if I roll to hit and I get to advantage, it triggers? That is correct, yeah. So advantage is a form of currency. So you can spend advantage to execute a critical. So if your weapon says, for example, critical three, that means if you have three advantage, you can blow all three to trigger a critical injury on your opponent. Or weapons have special effects, whether that is auto fire, various other things. So I want to activate it so I have to increase the difficulty, adding a purple. There was one coming over the hovel behind us. And that's 100% the one that I want to. There was one, but then you failed four times. So now we'll say there's two. (laughs) Well, then I'm going to try to hit those two. Great. So minus the one for your, or sorry, you increased by one. Yeah. Oh shit. All right. So that's five purple. Okay. So five, fuck. And then what is your agility? My agility is three. And what is your ranged light? Believe it or not, I didn't make any investments in ranged light because I'm a fucking idiot. (laughs) No, because you're very agile. You have other skills. I have ranks in ranged heavy. That, I know we'll that doesn't have to me. find you a heavier gun. So this is literally what story points exist for. So I've rolled the dice and despite Ryan's terrible roll, I rolled well on your behalf. So you have five that you can spend. I have one. So no. I want to, I want to upgrade two of my green to yellows. So Sounds that would good. be using two story points, right? Yes, that is correct. And I'll keep track of these. So when in doubt, feel free to ask. So you upgrade two of your green to yellow. Your entire way of life is disappearing. There's only one way out. And also, weirdly, you spent up until now your whole life being the super capable one who really has this. If you get outside of the glory hole, it's kind of actually more Alto's world. So weirdly, this is a, I need to defend him so he can work whatever the fuck magic he can work. Yeah. So with that, you open fire. I'm just going to see if you need any other blues or setback dice. No, I think we're good. All right. So I want to fire some shit. Shooting turds out of that gun. Yeah. Yeah, that's all it is. Auto pistol. It's a hive world. Shit. This makes sense. <laughs> one success and one threat. Laura, what's the damage on an auto pistol? Five. 
So that's six big points of damage. Yeah. You do not get to activate. I do not get to activate auto fire. That's okay. I'm just glad there was a success in there. (laughs) So you blast one of the long grasping arms off one of the leech mutants. Yes. Uh, Seemed to have done a good hit. So it's still dragging itself like a weird Del Toro monster, but it has been slowed. One of the interesting things about the way the system deals with minions as as a concept is rather than the D&D model of here's 15 goblins with three HP, they each get a turn. Minions often fight as groups. Mm. So you've done six points of damage to one of the minion groups, in case you're wondering why, like, hey, I thought I did a bunch of damage there. It's like, you did. Minions. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Alto, you are shoved hard by Lyric into a small gooey pod, and you start to stumble as you come over the lip and find that there is a pulped human body splayed across the insides of this small pod. Here's my question. As you begin to trip, do you use the robot arm to catch yourself? Is that a thing your your arm does? It's not a strong arm. It's got a number of different sort of like jacks and things like that. It also has a series of vials that can be filled with, help me out here, uh, Ryan. It's like, it's like sacred like, oils. Sacred basically oils the like idea vapors is, for yeah. christening technology to basically make it function. Tyler, I'm going to say that you have a small, small amount in one of them. But it's, okay. it very much is like the dregs that were left over in one of these things. So enough to like maybe turn something on, but not proper machine. God bless it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I think in my head, I had more of like a servo arm, but it's not that. It's basically a multi-tool on a gimbaled arm. Yes. It's more delicate. There is a different kind of arm that you can like brace yourself with it and stuff sure. like that, and even use it as like a melee weapon. This is not that. Gotcha. Uh, Okay, so you do not brace. You (laughs) trip and fall into this slushy pile. And yeah, you find a dead Navy officer who looks like she ping-ponged around inside the pot on the way down. Ugh. Yikes. I'll uh, scramble up to my feet and take out this map and try and make heads or tails of it and get us going to where we need to. I would give you astrocartography. I mean, technically we're not in space, but it's the only kind of map-based... Thing. I would also take survival. I'm good with survival. Because Kel wrote this, she wrote it in a way you would understand. So I'm going to say two purple. Okay. But you're in a room full of blood and there's mutants attacking and the city's falling apart. So I'm going to spend a story point to upgrade one of those purples to a red. Boo. I'm good to roll if that's all you want to add yep. there. Okay. Do it up. Two successes, one threat. You are able to track the pathway she's laid out, and you can see that it actually seems to be part of the air purification duct system. The entryway to this is not too far from here. It's through kind of the path of the falling pods. You could probably make it there in 15-ish minutes on foot. Okay. So I will peek my head out the door of the pod and be like, "Uh, I got it. We can be there in 15 minutes if we leave now. You see an arm get blasted off one of the mutant leech people, and you see them starting to grow barbs and defenses as they start to crawl up and over. For one point of threat, you feel something begin to tug at the hem of your pants. I look down. There is a severed arm, and it is closing its fingers around the hem of your pant leg. I kick it off. As you do so, you hear a choked voice behind you gurgle from the shadows. Are you sure you don't want to stay? Or maybe you can join us amongst the stars. Uh, I don't have words to respond. Like, it is too weird. (laughs) 
This is Fabius Bile reaching out to all those arch heretics and other dangerous psychopaths out there. There is only one way to truly defeat the Emperor and his pathetic lickspittles, and that is to make sure that they do not unify themselves and their false beliefs and empty gods. They must not join a Patreon. They must never join patreon.com slash dumdumdice. Then our cabal can rise to the heights of brutality and cruelty. We can slay every player character, skin the flesh from their bones, and leave them with no hope remaining. Unless, somehow, people go to patreon.com slash dumdumdice. With enough support, perhaps they could stop us. But that will never happen. <laughs> Do you look or do you just book it? I think I've run. <laughs> totally fair. Yeah. So you hop out of the pod. I assume you like slam the door on your way out. Yeah, I'm just going to close it behind me. Yeah. You close the door and you think you can hear a gurgling laugh come from inside the pod. Running, <laughs> running faster. <laughs> so you're headed in the direction the map showed? Yeah. Cool. Leech people begin to close in. Given that their main focus is Lyric and Valentine, we'll go with those first. Valentine, what does your refractor field do? It just adds to defense. Essentially, stuff can bounce off of it. It's not perfect, but it does increase the level of melee and range defense. I picture cool. it, if you want to know, kind of like the shields they use in Dune. It's oh. very effective, but in a limited physical capacity. So like, it can slow down a blow, but not necessarily stop it's it. Okay, cool. So defense adds... Um, challenge dice. Challenge dice, yeah. Yes. So I'll be adding two black to my attacks. Is it a ranged attack, Tom? No, they happily do not have ranged weapons. With my chain sword in hand, my defense in melee is three, because it's okay. also defensive one, so it adds. Gotcha. All right, so you have a defensive three. He was trained as a commissar until he was 20-something. <laughs> until he wasn't. Oh, oh, oh. Ultimately, I have one failure. So you've got the chainsword out and you're picking your targets and then suddenly one of these things is on your feet and just with a flourish of vague disdain that only a commissar could pull off, you just sweep the chainsword down and run it across the creature's guts. What's the damage on a chainsword? Chainsword is damage seven. I'm not going to give you the full thing because this is just on a failure. I'm going to say they take three. Cool. Um, so it's just a quick sweep, but you're feeling good. Meanwhile, Lyric, you have a couple rushing in on you. What is your defense? Uh, one. So as you're snapping off shots, these things are moving much faster on the ground than you're used to. And also you're used to fighting okay. purely human opponents. Yes. So things moving at mutated awful speed are not quite your tempo. All right. So I got one success and two advantage. Oh, shit. That will be four points of damage to you. What is your soak? My soak is two. So you take two yeah. points of damage. Is that wounds? Wounds, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so you have your base wounds, and then there's also strain, which is essentially your, your mental capacity. Cool. So things like social encounters can affect that. The warp insanity, I don't know, being a human alive right now really <laughs> affects your, yeah, your strain. Yeah, yeah. 
Okay, so one of these things jumps at you, and I think you actually lock it fairly effectively, mm-hmm. but unfortunately, because it's made of spikes, it just kind of almost embraces you, um, uh-huh. and you just feel the spikes start to, like, press against the limited armor you're wearing, and then you feel one of those talons that Kel showed you just dig into your back. And I'm going to say that on the next time these things attack you, they will have an advantage because of the extra advantage. I rolled Valentine. Okay. You see Alto take off running. How many of these things are on me? You're in combat with three. Well, then I can't really just back off or they're going to jump on me. So the pistol goes away and the second hand comes to the sword. And now he's got that motor just being like, oh, I do love when the training pays off. And he'll just start battling his way backwards. The reason he's so satisfied is in a scholar progenium, there'd be a lot of training. Like usually they're pretty well funded. Mm-hmm. If you also had access to the Inquisition version, I feel like he would have been very well trained. And these things move like Tyranids. And I'm betting the combat droids that he's had to engage with would have a pattern to be crawling, sprinting floor dwellers. So it's just chain sword battling while just working his way backwards towards Lyric and then Alto. Because if Lyric dies, he doesn't know if he can hang on to the loyalty of Alto. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Right, there'll be two purple. I'm going to give you a setback dice because you're not fighting forward, you're fighting back. That's it for me. You have four story points available. Cool, yeah, I'll spend a story point just because he needs to impress these two that he's necessary because saying you're an Inquisitor is a really great deal if you're dealing with high-level administration. Random street people would not give a shit. (laughs) It's a good way to get your fancy ass robbed. Yeah, so I've got three yellow from my end. One advantage, one failure. Interesting. You start to fall back. You're kind of beating a tactical retreat. The training is giving you the tactical knowledge you need, but much like most things, the reality of it is so different. For example, the droids weren't slimy and sprouting spikes. What I'll say is you fail to hit any of them, so that's the cost of the failure, but with the advantage, you do manage to break back to where Lyric is, so now the two of you are shoulder to shoulder. That said, she does have one of these things literally wrapped around her. Lyric. I think I have to brass knuckle this guy right to the temple. And to be clear, I always have my brass knuckles on. (laughs) (laughs) It's not even something I got to like pull out. (laughs) I'm just fucking ready. Some people wear wedding rings. Some people wear brass knuckles. Yeah, exactly. Whatever your flavor. So I'm just going to go straight to the head. So yeah, what's the difficulty on this? Four still? No, no, no. It's a melee attack. So you don't have to worry about range bands or cover or any of that shit. Base melee is always too purple. And I'm going to spend a story point to upgrade one of those purple to a red. Yikes. You have three available to you. Do you know what? I'll actually use one to upgrade my last green to a yellow. And I'm going to give you one boost dice for Valentine's help as he falls back shoulder to shoulder. Because Ryan rolled an advantage, so it makes sense that that would carry over to here. Super. End result is three successes. Fuck yeah. Nice. Huzzah. Um, All right. What is the damage on the brass knuckles? Damage is four. Um, okay, yeah, and so, I also get disorient for mm-hmm. three. So a target hit by the attack is disoriented for three rounds. So it adds one challenge die to all the skill checks they perform. So I'm going to say you're aiming for the face and you realize this thing doesn't really have a face. So instead you adjust at the last second not to try and uppercut under the jaw, but rather uppercut into the mouth. <laughs> yeah. So you just like punch it in the side of the mouth and the thing, its hands uncurl. And as it falls back, Valentine batter-ups it with the chainsword. So catches it, and as the chain blade is cutting through it, just kind of uses that to throw this thing into the hovel. The two of you are now clear of enemies. They're closing in, but you've got room to move. I assume you're both going to fall back? 
hundred percent. Getting to Alto. Yeah, I'd say Valentine's would follow. He'd just be firing behind him at whoever was the front person. But priority's running. It's one of those like when they yeah. get within five feet, take a <laughs> shot, but move. Gotcha. Now that the uh, Gilead's fist has fully plowed into the city, you're in classic big thing is falling over territory. The hive city is imploding, so you've got dust billowing out of that, but also you hear that classic as the superstructure of the massive space vessel begins to creak. The sand is being blasted in at the same time, dirt and debris is being blasted out. It's a bad day in the dome. So I need agility, please, and hmm. Would you take a streetwise to be able to figure out where we need to go? Sure. Yeah, take a streetwise. They'll take either athletics and brawn or agility and... Coordination? Yeah, coordination. Thank you. That's perfect. Hmm. What's our difficulty, Tom? Things are about to get very bad, but they aren't quite there yet. So it's going to be a difficulty of three. How many story points do we have, Tom? There are three available. I will use one of them because I think... The Inquisitor is fated to get the hell out of here. <laughs> he needs to save the Emperor. This is not just a regular run. Would any of the rest of you like to spend story points? Mm, not on this roll. I'm good. Cool. Roll them bones. I got three successes, one advantage. Fuck. All right. The Inquisitor has two successes and one threat. Okay. I have, holy shit, two successes, one advantage, and one triumph. Oh, damn. You're Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> I got to use my shortcut talent. Oh, interesting. Basically, yeah, it lets me add a boost die because I know the cities, like in, in urban environments. When I'm escaping, I know it so well that I can lead yeah. us somewhere. Now I'm imagining you pressing X to slide over things a lot. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Cool. Um, and Ryan, you rolled one threat. Is that correct? Yeah, two successes, one threat. Okay, Alto and Lyric, both of you know the hive pretty well. And even if you're unfamiliar with a particular street, the logic of the hive makes sense to you. It's that yeah. kind of weird thing of just having lived in this awful shithole long enough that you're just like, fucking, of course there's a building in the middle of the road because that's just the way it went. Yeah, like it's um, the same kind of stupid all the way through. Yes, yes, yeah, 100%. Okay. So you're both making excellent time, but you look back and notice that the Inquisitor is having a slightly more difficult time. Lyric, you're actually impressed to see that he doesn't completely suck at this. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is an interesting aside, and I know we're in the middle of an action scene, but I think it's worth it. How much have you ever really thought about the Imperium, or do you think about the Imperium? It hasn't affected my day-to-day at all, except I know, like, Kel would occasionally be hired by an Inquisitor or something, like, usually through a contact of a contact right. to, like, hunt some low-level bounties totally. for them. Yep. So it made some money from the Inquisition. But also, Alto and I did have an older sister. Before our lives went to shit, she left to join the Inquisition, and we have not heard of her since. So distant thing, vaguely aware of it. I'm aware that it's of importance to some people, but to me, I'm kind of indifferent. So to you then, I think this is two things. One, you're impressed because you assumed that most Inquisitors were bureaucrats. Yeah. Um, because the only Imperials you've actually met are bureaucrats. And like low-level planetary defense force types, definitely not Imperial Guard here. So you're impressed to see how capable he is. It's easy to swing out a chainsword from a trench coat and look impressive, but he actually seems to be handling himself well. But mm-hmm. he doesn't know the streets the way you do. So it's a lot of like when you see Alto cut left, your brain is kind of naturally following that, but you see him actually slow to determine where to go. So we'll say that you spend your extra triumph to cancel out his disadvantage, um, so he's able to keep pace. Alto, you're leading the crew. 
What does agility look like to you? It's sort of got like a free running feel to it where he doesn't crash up against anything. He either like slides under, ambles over, dips to the side, very rarely losing forward momentum. Cool. Yeah. From the rear then, Valentine, the need to prove your worth increases ever so slightly because this is well outside of your experience, but you are encouraged to see Lyric begrudgingly help you, even if it's just yelling left, duck, left, ABAB starts like <laughs> the three of you as a weird running mob make pretty good time. However, you are alarmed as you continue to see these crash pods, Valentine, to see crew members from the Gilead ambling out, and it's more of these twisted warp monsters. The good news is the warp monsters begin to fight the good old-fashioned irradiated radioactive mutants and cover your exit. But coming from the Inquisition, you know that whatever happened in the warp clearly tainted the ship, and now the ship has tainted the hive. So oh yeah, this world's fucked. It is getting destroyed real soon, so suddenly the need to get off-world is no longer just, I'd like to go, it's... I have to get oh. off world and then order its destruction. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, based on the fact that the uh, Gilead's fist crashed here, the minute they lost contact with that ship in the warp, they were just standing by. So you're sure with the transponder that whatever ships are in the fleet are closest. Also, this wasn't the intended destination. So it's a little bit of time. It's not a lot of time. There's a little bit of time. But yeah, this is definitely like a get the fuck out of Dodge situation. So all of you reach a small, broken-down ramen restaurant that has clearly been abandoned for some time. And as you approach, you see the faded sign reads uh, Kelsey's. Kel always had a weird, snarky streak when it came to all this sort of cloak-and-dagger bullshit. And for both of you, it, there's kind of a feeling of fucking of course. Yeah. Um, as you rush in, the place has clearly been abandoned for some time. But Alto, looking around, you're able to find the trick door easily enough. And as you open it, you see it leads to kind of a service shaft, an old rusted metal runged ladder that's just those weird rungs that are just fully drilled into the wall. And down below, you can hear the whistle of air from the vent system. That said, you can see dust and debris being blasted down along it. So it'll be unpleasant, but you can see the direction it's going, which should guide you towards the exit. What do you do? I'm the first one on the scene and Lyric isn't far behind. How far behind is Valentine? Like Because she's been helping him along like a couple feet behind her, but it's not oh, like okay. we got okay. there and then he's like rushing to keep up. He's pretty close. But if you wanted like a quick second alone with... It wasn't anything like that. I wanted to make sure that everyone was here before we go to the next part. Yes, uh, yeah, absolutely. No, 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 he's keeping pace. So I get there. Uh, I open that door and that's enough time for everyone else to catch up and get inside. And I just conveyed to everyone like... Should be right through here. Uh, and I gesture to the light. All right. Well, perhaps we could save names for later. Right now, I feel like we should go. I have some exciting news. There are very strong odds that this hive will be obliterated from orbit within a random amount of time I'm not aware of. So I'm thinking perhaps we should move quickly, friends. Yeah, because all you had to fucking say, let's go. <laughs> Um, and with that, Lyric, you shove Valentine into the hole, which incidentally, Valentine is going fast. So like... No harm, no foul. And you climb in afterwards. You're beginning to make your way down, and, and you're basically the one who's going to like close the hatch. You take one last look at the only home or city you've ever known. What's your final thought looking back as you slam this door? Mm. Oh, whatever. <laughs> I hated this stupid place anyways. And with that, you lock the grate and disappear into the vent systems. 
This episode of the Valentine Heresy features Ryan LaPlante, at the Ryan LaPlante on Twitter, as Inquisitor Lucius Valentine. Tyler Hewitt, at Tyler underscore Hewitt on Twitter as Olto. Laura Hamstra, at EL Hamstring on Twitter as Lyric. And our Game Master, Tom McGee, at McGeeTD on Twitter. This episode's sound was edited and mixed by Laura Hamstra, and the Valentine Heresy's artwork was created by Del Borovic at delborovic.com. D-E-L-B-O-R-O-V-I-C. Our theme song is The Hordes by Megan McDuffie, and our ads use the tracks No Control and Chiefs by Jazzar, J-A-H-Z-Z-A-R, available at freemusicarchive.org. When it comes to Dum Dums and Dice, you can visit our website at dumdumdice.com. Our Twitter and Instagram are at dumdumdice, and on Facebook at facebook.com slash dumdumdice. We have merchandise available at redbubble.com slash people slash dumdumdice. And most importantly, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. That's D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B, D-I-C-E. Ave Imperator, a death to all the heretics. Dum Dums and Dice has to give a special thank you to the supreme beings of our Patreon at this time. Christian Manicola, Long Long, The Half-Blind Prophet, James Quayar, DM Rob, Christopher Little, Olin Anderson, Sue One, Devin Boyce, George Dolby, One True Artistry, Orion Birchfield, Anthony Griffin, and Jill and Noel Laplante. If you want your name to be added to this list, you can join our Patreon too at patreon.com slash Dumb Dumb Dice. Thanks to them, and a little bit of thanks to you. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. The world is still ended. Darcy was a cafeteria worker. Do you see that minotaur sitting out in the food court? What minotaur? Just an ordinary, everyday human, probably. Egerton, you didn't even need a fairy cake. Why did you eat a fairy cake? Because I stress eat sometimes. Egerton was a PR flack for the imperial government. This extremely devastating explosion was, in fact, a celebration. He's a flightless fairy with a sweet tooth. There were some zombies, but Blatt blew them up. I climbed a tree. And we're skipping ahead. And we're skipping ahead. Blatt used to be a filing clerk. I'll pneumatic tube it up, sir. Now he's discovering the secrets of his half-demon heritage, like his ability to summon a soul-bound weapon. Oh, you're here to destroy time, eh? Well, eat bazooka! (laughs) Three normal dweebs, rescued from the end of the world and sent on a last-ditch quest to save all of reality. There is a way to stop the shattering, but we need you three. The End of Time and Other Bothers, an improvised fantasy role-playing game set in the world of Alba Salix. Find it in your favorite podcast app or visit otherbothers.com. There's no evil, so you're welcome. Flawless logic. Oh, boy. Oh, boy.